Open up your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 6. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. The Old Testament starts with Genesis. The New Testament starts with Matthew. And so John is in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 6. I'm telling you, I know that it's, uh, you know, we've had, it's like been, you know, we've had a heat wave of 180 degrees, you know, every day this past week. And then today we wake up and we got rain, so I think everybody's kind of like, what day is it? You know, um, so just try to engage. Um, I felt like everybody took a dose of NyQuil before they walked into the first service. I'm assuming it wasn't me, but um, so we're going to get after here. John chapter 6, verse 1 says this, after this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Now listen to this. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? In other words, he was saying, look, we've got this huge need, and we've got these small resources, and so really it's almost like we don't have anything. What good is that among this huge crowd? Can, can I be real honest with you? That there have been times in my life where I'm in a really hard place, and the, the situation, the position I'm in is so challenging that I'm not even grateful for what I do have. In other words, this thing, it's huge, and, and I, I see the resources that I have to meet this need, and the need is ginormous, gigantic, you know, just enormous, whatever other made-up word we can have. I mean, it's just big, you know, and, and the resources I have. And so it's almost like I disdain what I have. It's like, what is that among so many? Has anybody besides me ever been there, been in that place where you're like, instead of being thankful for what you do have, you're, you're kind of disgruntled because it's, it's not enough. Anybody besides me? I've, I've been there before, right? So, so that's what he does. And so he says, well, you know, we, we get this, these loaves and fish, but that's, that's, that's not enough. Really, what is that when the need is so huge? And so he goes on to say, um, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone outnumbered about, uh, men alone numbered about 5,000. So that was just the men, not counting women and children. So I think it's safe to say there may have been around 15,000 people there. And so he goes on to say, then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Jesus took the loaves. The thing that in one person's hands wasn't nearly enough, what is that among so many? What he did was he took it, gave thanks. Everybody say gave thanks. Took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. He took, in other words, he took the fish and gave thanks and distributed it to the people. And they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So there, there's such, a, you know, there's such a, uh, a choice in how we can respond in those moments. Now, I, I know this, that in a crowd like this, that there's some of you that you're in a good season of life, your bills are paid, and that kind of stuff. You may even have some money in the bank. And, and I'm, I'm not just talking about money, although that's part of an area we suffer lack and don't have enough. Or maybe things are good in your marriage, things are good with your kids. Things are good at your job. Things are good just in areas of your life that you're dealing with and people that are close to you. And so it's real easy to be grateful right now. 
But I also know that in a crowd this size that there's other people, that that's not your story right now, that you're in a hard place in some way, some form or fashion. Maybe it's not finances. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's when you think about your future, issues from your past or your family or somebody that you love is going through a really hard time and you feel helpless and hopeless to help them. I remember years ago when I was on staff at the church in Clovis that one Sunday the pastor, my pastor got up and he started talking about being generous. And at that time, man, I had a few things in the pawn shop, literally had stuff in the pawn shop and was trying to keep our lights on. And he's talking about being generous, can be real transparent. I was irritated. I was like, put your stuff in the pawn shop. Let's see how generous you are. You know what I mean? So, I mean, how does that sound for a, a minister? Like, you know, and I got my pastoral grin on the. But on the inside, man, I was so irritated. How dare you talk about being generous? My wedding rings are at the pawn shop. I'll tell you what, why don't you be generous and go, go down and get them out of the pawn shop for me, huh? How's that? I mean, I, the least thing in my mind was being thankful in that moment. Now, let me just say this. You know, somebody could say, well, we're supposed to be thankful for everything. I don't know that the Bible says to be thankful for everything. Because I don't believe we're supposed to be thankful for everything. But it does say this, be thankful in everything. And so there's a difference there, right? And so in everything that we have, we have the opportunity to be thankful for something that we do have. Well, I feel like I've lost everything. No, you haven't. You can lose more. And so... And I'm not saying to, to do this out of fear, but let's not lose sight of the fact that there are things that we have in our world that are still dear to us and still precious to us. In that moment, in that season of my life, there were things I had in my world that I took for granted that I, I forgot to be thankful for. And so we can choose to be thankful in every place, in every moment for the things that we do have. It's amazing how Jesus used what they did have in that moment. In somebody else's hands, it seemed so little. It seemed like something that was worth despising because compared to the need, it wasn't nearly enough. But when it was presented to Jesus, it was presented, he took it to the Father and was grateful for what he did have. And then when he used that which was blessed and that which he was thankful for, it was amazing how he was able to turn it into something that was no longer little and in, in how it mattered, but it had a great effect and a great impact on what took place next. And one of the choices you can make wherever you are that is in this moment, you can be thankful for what you have in the hard places. In the hard places. Now, again, it's an act of faith. I'm not saying doing it because you feel like doing it, because quite honestly, you probably don't. I remember in that moment, I didn't feel like being thankful. Like I said, matter of fact, I was irritated. What do you mean be generous? Generous with what? And I remember that. I'm on staff. I'm in the ministry, and I'm struggling with it. I can't even, you heard the phrase, too poor to pay attention. I knew what it meant that day. I was just struggling. And, and so I remember thinking that and going through that. And yet, when I look back on that time, I'm, I'm just disappointed in myself because I still could have taken that moment and been grateful that, that you know, that I was, still had a job. There were still resources coming into my world, and, and you know, by themselves they weren't enough. But if I would have trusted God with it more, that he's always proven himself to be faithful. And so in that moment, in your hard place right now, take account of what you do have. Take stock of the things in your life that are still precious to you, that still mean something. And choose, everybody say choose. Choose to be faithful. Decide to be faithful. Make that decision. 
push against the pressure, push against that overwhelming feeling of just defeat and not being enough, not having enough, not being able to do enough, push back against you. Say, how do I do that? By being grateful in that moment and by faith declaring the goodness of God and the good things that he's done in your life and who he is and how much you have to still be grateful for even in this season. Number one is this, be thankful for what you have in the hard times. I wrote this down. Needs can be a distraction to how we've been blessed. Sometimes we get so focused on what we need and what we don't have that it distracts us from all the things around us that we have to be grateful for. Choose to be grateful in the hard places. Number one is be thankful for what you have in the hard times. Let's look at number two. Go with me, if you would, to Acts 27. You're in John. The next book over is Acts. Acts 27. And so to give you an idea, kind of context of what's going on, Paul had been arrested. He, would have, he was on trial. He would have been set free, but he was a Roman citizen, so he wanted to appear before Caesar and plead his case, and I believe even preach the gospel to Caesar. And so they said, okay. So they had to put him on a ship that was hauling prisoners and cargo. And so they got to this one port, and Paul said, look, man, the weather's getting ready to change. I think it's a mistake if you guys keep sailing. I think that we could face loss of cargo, loss of ship, and maybe loss of life. But they didn't listen to him. And so they sailed on, and as they went on, this big storm hit them. And so when this storm hit them, you know, that the storm was so bad that for weeks it went on. They even lost track of when it was day and when it was night. That's how perilous the storm was. You know, uh, we did a series on storms a while back, and you know, one of the things we talked about is sometimes we get in a storm because of disobedience. You know, Jonah, was he was swallowed by a fish in the middle of a storm. He was swallowed by the fish because of his disobedience, you know, and, you know, as a storm took place and all that. And so his storm was self-inflicted. Then the disciples, Jesus told them to go to the other side, and a storm hit while they were in the will of God. And sometimes, you know, in the will of God, we can still run into storms. Doesn't mean we're doing anything wrong. I think the hardest storm for me is one that Paul was in because the storm he was in was not based upon any decision he had made. It was because of who he was connected with that they just wouldn't listen to him. And because he was connected with him, that he was pulled into their storm. Those are hard, right? I mean, when you have people around you, you look up and say, please don't do this. And they don't listen. They don't give you any regard. And their decisions pull you. You know, sometimes as a parent, that can be you. Sometimes as a spouse, that can be you. You know, that you can be pulled into somebody else's storm because of the decision in somebody's life that, that won't listen. Those are real challenging storms, right? I mean, you want to say, hey, I told you so. And not just once, but like a couple hundred times. You know, I told you so. And so this is where Paul was, was that they didn't listen to him. So he's pulled into this storm. And it's, it's so um, challenging. It's, it's just one of those things that goes on for weeks. And one night Paul has a vision. An angel appears to him. And, you know, and he says he's sent from God and he has a message. And so Paul told them earlier, he said, look, he said, you know, an angel that was sent from God had this message he gave to me. And he said, I believe God of whose I am and whom I serve, that it will be even as it was told me. And so we pick up there with that in uh, verse 33. It says, just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You've been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your heads will perish. Then he took some bread, gave thanks. Everybody say, gave thanks. gave thanks. Gave thanks to God before them all and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone was encouraged and began to eat, all 276 of us who were on board. So 
he explained to them this encounter that he had with God, and he encouraged them, hey, let's eat. So he handed out food, but before they ate, he did this. He gave thanks, and even though he ate, they hadn't eaten yet. And when he had, when he had shared this with them and given thanks, it says this, they were encouraged. They were, still, they were still dealing with the storm and the effects of it. But it was amazing how contagious his thankfulness was on them. All 276 of them were impacted when they encountered just one person's gratitude and gratefulness. I've discovered this, that things like this are contagious. You could be in a good situation and somebody just begins to complain. And all of a sudden it becomes toxic and it spreads to the group. Spreads to the family, spreads to the business, spreads to the school, spreads to the church. It's just contagious. It's amazing. Somebody begins to mumble, somebody begins to complain, and all of a sudden people begin to pick it up and begin to talk about it. And man, it's so discouraging, it's so powerful. But just as powerful, in a positive way, it's when one person stops in the middle of it and says, look, I belong to God. I know there's a lot of this stuff going on around us, but I believe that it'll be just as uh, the God of whom I am and whom I serve that my life will go as I'm in His hands according to what His plan for me is. That if I stay surrendered to Him and yielded to Him, then, you know, my life won't be taken from this earth one second before it's supposed to be. And so I trust Him, not the circumstances around me. I trust Him. And it's amazing how when some, and I'm just grateful and to give thanks. It's amazing when somebody's thankful in the middle of a hard place, it becomes contagious to the people around us. Some of you, man, the crisis you're going through is not just yours, it's ours. It's your families, it's your churches. And in there, man, there's just so much weight. It seems like bad news just keeps coming in. Bad information, more disappointment keeps coming in. And anybody can identify what takes place. I've said this before. You know, if you go in a house, man, there's a thermometer, and it tells what the temperature is in that room. And most people are just like that. But, man, I'll tell you, in our house, we adjust that thermostat because we're trying to, we want the room to be a different temperature than what that says it is. And it's amazing, man. It impacts that room. You have the ability to be that in your circle. You have the ability by being grateful to change the people around you. To encourage them. Jesus said this in Mark eleven twenty three. 23. He said this. He said, that whoever, he said, whoever will say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. Now, you probably don't have a literal mountain in front of you, but there may be a mountain of circumstances that you're facing right now. And it can be so overwhelming. I remember when Tina and I were younger, and again, we were going through financial, just one situation after another. And back then, man, they had these things, they would advertise these loans, and they would say, if you send us $300, then we'll loan you enough money to get out of your situation. And I thought, who can I borrow $300 from so that I can borrow money from these guys? <laughs> but I can remember sometimes at 1 o'clock in the morning not being able to sleep, and I would just get up and I would just begin to think about the faithfulness of God and begin to speak to that mountain and begin to say, God's my provider and he cares for us. He'll take care of us, that we have better days ahead of us. Our best days are ahead of us. This isn't our final part of our story. God's our provider. He takes care of us, and he provides for every need that we have. And I'm amazed as I began to do that. How that in fact, there would be other days, man, where I was discouraged. And Tina might be encouraged, and I'd begin to share with it. And if she wouldn't stand up and speak back to me, then she'd be discouraged too. Or if she was discouraged, if I wouldn't encourage her, then we'd both be walking around just kind of depressed. Then the preacher would talk about being generous, and I'd want to punch him in the head. I mean, you know, it's all sorts of stuff, you know. And so, so you have that moment. But I'm just telling you, whenever you have that situation, that you begin to give thanks 
It's an encourager to you. It begins to encourage as you begin to declare the goodness of God and his ability. And you begin to speak scripture over your situation that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And you begin to speak those things. And especially when it's not just my problem, but it's ours. It's not just my situation, but it's ours. And maybe it is, if it's based on my disobedience, man, then I repent because I have great confidence in the mercy and grace of God. And if it's one of those situations that I'm in the will of God and yet it's still hardship, then I just trust him because, you know, if he's led me to it, he can lead me through it. I know that right there. And then sometimes if it's connected to your life, but because I love you, I'm connected to it too. Then I do two things. I resist the temptation to punch you in the head. And then what I do is, is I declare the goodness of God in it. I declare the goodness of God and I'm grateful. And as I'm thankful, then I begin to be encouraged. Discouragement can be like a weight that rests upon us. And it's like carrying just this heavy weight through life. It sits on us. It shows in our looks. It shows in our face. But there's something. And Paul, in the midst of these 200 and some people, some of them were sailors. They were experts and even they were discouraged. Man, when the experts are discouraged, in the natural, it looks bad. But Paul stood before me and said, I believe God that it will be, even as it was told me, the God whose I am and whom I serve. And so as he declared that and encouraged them, he was feeding them, preparing them, not just for them to think about their past, but to prepare for their future, that God has more for you. So they were encouraged. It says, as he did this, as he gave thanks, they were all encouraged. Thankfulness brings encouragement. It's it's contagious in what it does. Number two is this, thankfulness brings encouragement in our life. If you're dealing with discouragement right now, begin to look for things to be thankful for in your life. And begin to declare it out loud, the things that you're thankful for. And watch how encouragement shows up. Push through it. Push past it. Thankfulness brings encouragement in our life. Let's look at number three and we'll close with this. Go with me if you would to Philippians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 6. You're in Acts. The next book over is Romans then 1st and 2nd Corinthians, then Galatians, and then Ephesians, and then Philippians. And again, Philippians is a letter that Paul wrote to one of the churches that he started in a place called Philippi. So as you read this letter, you can tell he's talking to people that he's done life with, that they've connected on different things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. The very first four words of this verse start out with this. Don't worry about anything. Now, man, we read that, and if we're in a good place, we're like, oh, man, that's just so comforting. But, man, when you're in a hard place and you want to worry, you're like, how do I do that? How do I not worry about anything? Have you, have you, seen, have you seen, you know, our situation, our circumstances? Have you seen this? Have you seen what's going on with our kids? They're crazy. Have you seen what's happening? How do I not worry about that? Well, he tells us, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray. Everybody say pray. pray. Instead, pray about everything. And then it tells us not just to pray, but it tells us, how to pray. So if you're worrying, here's kind of the instructions on how you're to pray whenever you're tempted to worry. It says, first of all, that if you're worrying, instead of just worrying, having all this anxiety, begin to pray about it. And in your prayers, here's the first thing you do. Tell God what you need. Lord, man, we're struggling in this area. I just really need your help here. Lord, we're struggling in our marriage. I really need your help. Lord, you know, we're struggling trying to lead our kids or just and I'm making good decisions right now. I need your help here as a parent. Lord, struggling with my health. I just really need your help. As I need wisdom. I, I don't need to give up and let discouragement just pull me down because of decisions that are going on. Lord, we're, we're struggling. This marriage thing is way harder than I thought it was going to be. So I need your help in this. Tell him what you need. 
Let him know. I mean, he knows, but there's something about acknowledging it. It's really giving God access and an invitation into your circumstances. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, he said, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, and he said, then I'll come in and I'll, I'll supper, I'll fellowship with them. In other words, he doesn't push his way into those things. He waits to be invited into it. So it gives him access to our life and then to the things that pertain to our life. And so he said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And, everybody say and. Now, how many of you have ever heard the Conjunction Junction song? Let me see your hand up here. Okay, you guys are old too. So anyway, here's the thing. Is that, you know, man, they got the conjunction junction, you know, it's, a, it's a, you know, YouTube at some time. Anyway, and, and so it, it, it connects, you know, words, phrases, prepositions, all that kind of stuff. And so I'm assuming those languages haven't changed, you know, I, I could, you know, I'm going to leave that alone. Anyway, so, um, and so it says, and, so it's connecting the telling him what you need. A lot of us are good about telling God what we need. Hey, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Okay, I've done that. Wait, wait, wait. There's an and on there. So it's connecting this. Your prayer's not over. After you've told him what you need, some people said, well, you know, just in our prayers, we're just always telling God what we need. Well, that's one of the things we're instructed to do. Don't be critical of that. We're told to do that. So I'm not beating you up for telling him what you need. That's one of the things you're told to do. But the other side of the problem is a lot of times we stop there. There's another thing to it, another part to it, and it's this. And thank him for all he's done. In other words, we tell him what we need and then we begin to remember those times that we've been kind of in this place where we felt helpless or hopeless or overwhelmed. One of my favorite encounters is when David fought Goliath. And he was, we believe he was just a, a teenager at the time and he shows up that his, you know, that his people, the Israelis, the, the Jews, they were, their, their arch enemy was the Philistines. And they had a great warrior that was a giant physically named Goliath. He was a great warrior that had won many battles and just his very size was intimidating. People were afraid of him and he had a reputation. So David shows up to bring food to his brothers and this big dude comes out and he begins to make these threats and David's like, who's this guy I think he is? They said, well, that's Goliath. He's a great warrior and he said that if we'll send our best warrior and fight and our best warrior wins and they'll serve us, but if he wins and we'll serve them, well, who's fighting him? Nobody. So what's going to happen to the one that wins? He goes, well, they're going to get to be tax-free. They'll get these treasures. And I don't know if you've seen the king's daughter, but they get to marry her. And they like, he saw the king's daughter. He's like, I'm in. <laughs> he's a teenage boy. And so he goes out and he gets ready to fight Goliath. And, you, you know, a lot of people think the NBA started trash talk. No, trash talk began back here. Because Goliath looks at him and he goes, am I a dog that you would send a stick after me? Is that what's going on here? And David looked at him. He said, look, man, he said, he said, I'm going to feed your head to the birds and all the people around you. And he said, you know what? He said, I was watching my father's sheep and a bear came up and he said, I caught it and smote it. And he said, then a lion came up and tried to grab on the sheep too. And he said, I killed it too. And he said, you're no different than the lion or the bear. In other words, the thing that gave him confidence in this moment is when he began to reflect and be grateful for the other times that God showed up and the challenges in his life. And I think sometimes, man, one of the things that we forget to do is we let the problem overwhelm us so much that we forget we've probably been here before and before God's been faithful, before he's shown up. And so we have to understand that. We have to declare the goodness of God. And thankfulness reminds us of how, how faithful God has been to me. He's been faithful to me. I, when we started the church 16 years ago, 
you know, the first few years we had a church that was taking care of us and that type of thing. But, you know, you come to a point where they're kind of like, okay, you're on your own. And then I remember the church went through kind of a difficult season. And we had some people leave and financially it was kind of hard and we weren't able to, to make payroll sometimes. And I mean, you know, it, it's, it's kind of wild to think about it. Now my daughter is 14 years old and she was working tables. And I had to borrow money from my 14-year-old daughter so we could pay the bills in the church. She's like, she's a hard debt master. I mean, I was getting phone calls in the middle of the night when you're going to pay the money back. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't quite that bad, but I didn't put a pastor. So, you know, was, but you just have those moments. And then yesterday we give away tens of thousands of dollars to shoes to people in our community. But back then when it seemed hopeless, he was faithful. He was faithful. And he provided for us. And he continued to be faithful. And yesterday we were able to meet this need because of the people that God's put here and we we're able to do that. And, and then even when we think about the future, there's things we'll talk to you about in the future that seem so huge right now. But he's faithful. And so I ref how do you say you know that? Because I have a history with him. I have a past. And so I'm real good about showing up and, and praying and telling him for what I need but there's a second part, and thank him for all that he's done. For all the other times where I felt hopeless, and I didn't know where the answer was coming from. And I was like, is this it? You know, does this mean that, you know, everything that, I, that we've done has failed, it's going to crash? And he shows up, and he's faithful again and again and again. He shows up. And as I remember that, that it encourages me in this moment because I'm like, this time is no different than those times were. You know, there are times where I just don't know how he's going to do it, but that doesn't mean he's not going to do it. And so I begin to declare just my faithfulness to him. Thank him for all that he's done. And it says when that happens, then you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So I tell him what I need. And after I'm doing that, instead of just like saying amen and worrying, I begin to say, you know, God, there was that time that I needed something like this, and you answered it this way. And there was that other time that I needed something, and you answered it this way. And there was that other time, and all of a sudden, the encouragement of God begins to show up. All of a sudden, you know, just the weight of that problem, it just begins to feel like a normal day. It doesn't feel overwhelming or like the end or something that's going to be forever life-changing. It's just another moment for God to prove his faithfulness in my life. And the reason why is because my thankfulness reminds me of how faithful God, my thankfulness reminds me of how faithful God has been in the past and what he's done. And that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was faithful then, he'll be faithful now with today's stuff. And when tomorrow's things show up, tomorrow's challenges, he'll be faithful then. He is unchanging. And so we get to celebrate that right there. Thankfulness reminds me of how faithful God has been to me, to me, to you. I want us to do this. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes for just a minute. And again, some of you, man, it's not hard for you to be thankful this morning. Things are good, and, I don't, and I'm glad for that. I've been in seasons where things are good. Man, enjoy them. Enjoy them. Life's just unique. Not every season's the same. Some of you, man, you're in a different season. Some of you, when I talked about being in the season where the guy was talking about being generous and how we were struggling in that area, and I was irritated. 
You may be in that season. It may take every ounce of self-control you have to push past your feelings and your disappointment and begin to be grateful for the things that you have. Begin to reflect on the times that you felt what you feel now and God's shown up and begin to be grateful because you think about those memories. And then you watch as you begin to tell God what you need in this moment with those things in tow. And you experience a peace that passes understanding. Has anything changed in your world? No, I'm just grateful now. Choose to be thankful. Well, I just feel like complaining. Yeah, but you're choosing to do it. Your feelings don't have to dictate the direction that you go. They don't have to dictate the direction I go. We can decide to do different than our feelings are leading us. So let's just spend a moment. And if you're in a place, a good season, man, be grateful. Be thankful. If you're in a really hard season right now, choose to be thankful. Take into stock the things that you have the things that are precious to you that you wouldn't want to lose those things. Take into stock the things that God's done for you, all that he's done. Let thankfulness encourage you. Let's just spend a moment with God.